Joining me now, my good friend, Mr. Al Bat. Hey, Al, how are things over there? They are good. Boy, that Taj Mahal, he gets around. I, yeah. I just <laughs> hear him everywhere. He's uh, incredibly good, but man, he is he is out and about on uh, everybody's, uh, I, I still want to say record, but ev- everybody's Recording. musical piece. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, I want to thank everybody uh, that uh, showed up at the Albert Lee Seed House on Saturday. It was a wonderful group, and it was fun hanging around with them. And uh, my heart goes out to the family of Lola Sapala, a longtime friend. I gave the, uh, it was a great honor to give the eulogy at her funeral yesterday, and um, I'll miss her, I miss her now. So, oh. And also to all the listeners who stop and say they listen as I ring bells. So oh, I, uh, that's sweet. I appreciate them. It's awful nice. I got three things. You sent me a couple things from the news, and uh, I'd like to mention those and maybe hit some Christmas gifts that might be appropriate because a lot of folks, a lot of men, I have <laughs> to say, uh, wait till the last minute and say, oh, my goodness, is it Christmas? This is Christmas. So. <laughs> There was a, this is something not to do, folks. A 76-year-old man is facing criminal charges because he was shooting at a squirrel, and a bullet went through a child's bedroom window in a neighboring home. This was in East Grand Forks. The police said they arrested a man Sunday after his neighbor reported some bullet holes in the siding of their home and a hole in the window of their son's bedroom. The man told the officers he had been watching ball games on television and noticed a squirrel on his bird feeder. <laughs> he told officers he shot a twenty-two caliber rifle from his bedroom window at the squirrel and believed he'd hit the animal. He told officers he had shot at the squirrel at least six times over the past two years because he considered it a war when they got onto his bird feeder. According to court documents, the man's wife said to him, well, I told you so, as he was being arrested. <laughs> So, uh, you know, it's serious. The man is charged with recklessly handling a dangerous weapon. It's a misdemeanor, but also with a felony count of discharging a firearm within a municipality. So he faces up to two years in prison and a $5,000 fine for his for the felony charge. So, you know, don't do what he did. Did he get um, the squirrel is what I want to know. He thought he did, but... Uh, we don't know. I, I don't know. Nobody oh, knows. Um, Christmas bird counts. You know, Frank Chapman was a guy. He and 26 other conservationists initiated the Christmas bird count as a way of promoting conservation by counting rather than hunting birds on Christmas Day. It used to be they just shoot as many birds as they could and then count them. And Frank said, you know, maybe if we don't shoot them, we'll be able to count them next year, too. So that was in Christmas Day in 1900, and counts have been running every year since. Uh, The Christmas bird count, I think, is in more than 20 countries now. It's a long-standing program of the National Audubon Society. It's an early winter bird census where thousands of volunteers go out over a 24-hour period on one calendar day to count birds. All Christmas bird counts are conducted between December 14th to January 5th every year. And each circle compiler chooses a single calendar day within those dates. A participation is free. 
count volunteers follow specified routes through a designated 15-mile diameter circle, counting every bird they see or hear. Uh, Burgers of all skill sets are involved in the CBC. If your home is within the boundaries of a CBC circle, you could stay home and report the birds that visit your feeder on count day. Uh, the 17th, I know some of them are started like uh, tomorrow, I think, up north, maybe Morris and places, but the Mankatos will be the 17th, Oatanas and Fairbolts are also the 17th, Austin is on the 18th, Fairmont's on the 20th, and Albert Lee is on the 23rd. So, Al, I chatted with Mr. Tim Scott yesterday. He stopped by. He was so kind. He and Miss Lona had a nice little birthday present for me and that was really sweet so I asked him if he was going to participate in the the bird count and he said oh I just have common birds come to my feeder and I said well they probably want those counted too yeah that's exactly right every bird counts so uh, Tim you you know you could I'm sure you're probably within the bird count there so you you could count the birds at your feeder and aren't they the two of the nicest people on earth and they have apparently a lot of birds so you know he he feeds them and he's got all kinds of woods and things and so yeah tim you go count those okay that's right yeah he was a professor so yeah he can count he's worrying about his ability to count oh that might be you know no yeah oh my goodness you sent me, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate Tim and Lona, and uh, Merry Christmas, you too. I'm uh, blessed by having you as friends. You sent me something about the uh, bald eagles uh, being poisoned. There was at least 13 bald eagles, last I heard, were likely poisoned by scavenging the carcasses of euthanized animals that were improperly dumped at a Minnesota landfill. Uh, I know three of the birds have died uh, the Strib reported that state and federal wildlife officials are investigating after the eagles were found near the oh, Pine Bend landfill, if my memory is correct. Anyway, it's in the Invergrove Heights. And they took 11 birds to the Raptor Center at the University of Minnesota. One bird died, and the center is caring for the other two, 10. Two other eagles were found dead near the landfill, and they found the first sick eagle on December 4th, and then the Raptor Center found several more. And the Raptor Center says other animals were euthanized and left at the landfill, and the chemicals poisoned eagles while they were feeding on them. And uh, of the 11 eagles that were brought to the Raptor Center, three had lead poisoning, and one eagle was found to have the bird flu, and it died. Hmm. So, uh, sad business. So, what do you know what the chemicals are that they do use in euthanasia that might poison them? I was just curious. You know, I have no idea. Okay. You know, having uh, had things like every family has, have had things euthanized. We used to have cows that they yeah. would... Uh, of course, the old um, rendering works would come out and probably shoot at the cows, but yeah, I, I never wanted to know very much about it uh, as far as the euthanizing of pets. I just, it was always such a, a terrible experience, you yeah. know, the nice and, and the little, you know how we are, the less I know, the better off I was, I Be- thought. Because but. aren't they supposed to bury euthanized animals or do something or incinerate? Because I know yeah. my, my yep. best friend who's a veterinarian, that's what they do, is they, she, she says they keep them in the freezer until they get enough to, whatever. They, they yeah. do, and so these were certainly improperly 
discarded animals, I guess, which is which is sad. Uh, Christmas gifts. I talked a little bit about that at the Elberly Seed House. What do you get somebody? What do you get that nature lover other than your undying appreciation and respect? I, you know, those are wonderful things. Here are a few other welcome gifts. You know, the birds, they come already wrapped. So you can share your love of them with another. Just uh, say, hey, look at that beautiful bird there. Just little things. The Audubon Bird Guide app and the Merlin Bird ID app, the Merlin is from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, they are free. So, boy, there's a, there's a handy item to, to tell somebody, say, you should get this. They're free, and they come in handy on a cell phone. It becomes a field guide in your pocket or on a tablet. I would uh, say there's always a caveat. Check your storage base available before downloading them. The Audubon app offers detailed descriptions of over 800 birds. They have 2,300 plus bird songs and over 3,500 high quality color photos. There's a search function for identifying bird by song type or pattern, wing shape, time of the year, by the state, by locomotion, and more. And there are up-to-date range maps with wintering maps for many of the migrating birds. So you can see where the, your yard birds, where they ended up. The Merlin app allows you to answer three questions. They're simple questions about the bird you're trying to identify. And then Merlin gives you a list of possible matches. I will tell you that sometimes when you do that, you want to say, well, what, are the, what is Merlin drinking to come up with those ideas? But it is learning, and the more people report these things and ask these questions, the, the closer it's going to come to getting most of them right. But it's still a, a little bit, so once in a while you'll just get what seems to be goofy answers. But if you hang in there, it comes pretty close, if not right on. It has a sound ID. Folks, this is really cool. It listens to the birds around you and shows real-time suggestions for what is singing. So you can be outside and just hold it up and listen to the sound of the birds, and it'll say, well, I think that's a cardinal. I think that's this. And again, sometimes it will be wrong, but it's getting better all the time. You can compare your recordings to the songs and calls in Merlin to, conf to confirm what you've heard. And if you take a photo of a bird or pull one from your camera roll, Merlin has a photo ID that offers you a short list of potential matches. And the photo ID works offline so you can identify birds in the photos no matter where you are. Merlin has the capability of building a digital scrapbook of your birding memories. It's called uh, Save My Bird, I believe. You can tap, this is my bird, each time you identify a bird, and Merlin adds it to your growing life list. Uh, there are many other field guide apps, many, many other ones, you know, Peterson and Hoffman and Sibley and iBird. They do require payment, but they are, are wonderful. Uh, warm socks, warm gloves or mittens. I... Or a cap, and I found the dorkier a hat looks, <laughs> the warmer it is. But I like flip-top mittens. 
they allow the wearer to fold back the ends of the fingers of the mitten to reveal fingers fingerless gloves and vests. I love the arm freedom they provide, and there are all kinds of vests. I think there's a a vest that's meant pretty much only for burgers. I believe it's called Big Pockets. So as you can guess, it has all these huge pockets on the vest where you can put a field guide, your binoculars, and all kinds of things in there. Uh, we become, if you're wearing cargo pants, you can actually become like a cargo ship with this vest. You'll just have, be able to carry everything. Uh, books, books of all kinds. Uh, I enjoy the tactile sensation of paper field guides, and every one of them is excellent. I prefer painted birds over photos, but I know everybody's different on that. I prefer guides that cover more than a single state, but a small book showing only the birds of one state is good for those who do their birding from a kitchen window or at a feeder. But I advise you to look at field guides. Maybe go to Barnes & Noble and just look at a bunch of them and say, boy, this is the one, before deciding on which one it fits. A Leatherman. It's a wonderful little device that has 157 tools. I don't. There's a lot of them there. It's called Leatherman? Is that like a brand name? It is. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I, I carry one in my car. always comes in a little case, and it's got a pliers and a screwdriver. But if you're outside and you got a, a, a backpack, and by the way, a back day or fanny pack is a great gift. If you put one of those in there, you, sooner or later you're going to find use for it. You say, boy, if I only had a pliers or I needed a screwdriver, a little knife or something, it, it'll be another leather man. And it makes a, a great gift, a stocking stuffer. This time of year, ice cleats. Uh, Gail and I were in Alaska one year where people were dropping like flies. It was so icy, nobody could stay up, and there's a lot of up and down in Alaska. So one poor woman fell twice in front of me and helped her up twice. And everybody was trying to find ice cleats, but they were sold out. So there are things that just strap onto your shoes when it's really icy. Uh, trekking or hiking poles. Boy, I see so many people using those, and they just help your balance when you're out there on the ice or snowy landscape. Uh, snowshoes are great. A dependable travel mug. And I find if they advertise something that you really like, like KMSU or something, they, it, they're, they're better. I think they work better when <laughs> yes, they make a little course. bit of a statement out there that say, I like this. A pocket-sized notebook. Because folks are uh, always searching their pockets, saying, I should write that down. And we talk it into our phone, but I don't know how you are, folks, but when I talk into my phone sometimes, it it has a whole different rendition of what I've said. <laughs> and I have to look at it right away, otherwise it's I don't know what I talked about. Uh, binoculars are wonderful gifts. But I will add this. They're easier to buy for a child than for an adult. So I think if you want to buy for an adult, make sure you get a gift receipt or take that adult to the store and buy it for them there so they can see if it's going to fit their eyes, going to fit their hands. You want it to be, you know, it's a maybe once-in-a-lifetime thing, so you want it to work. Kids, you can get those nice little small binoculars, and you know they're going to wear it out, break it, lose it, or something will happen to it, but they're still great gifts. 
Uh, membership in a local Audubon or bird club, uh, membership with the Cornell Lab of Ornithology or the American Birding Association, state park stickers. Man, they're one of the greatest gifts of all time, and they last the whole year. Uh, bird feeders, bird seed, or a subscription to a birding magazine. My favorite is BWD. It used to be called Bird Watchers Digest. Now it's BWD, and it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful magazine. Great photos, great stories, and um, uh, it's. I will. I must add that I do write for BWD, so that that adds to my enthusiastic. Uh, response as to whether I'd recommend that. I uh, Wendy Wendy own, runs a pet crematorium now in the Mankato I'd, area. I didn't realize we had one in Mankato. Didn't know that. Yeah, I I didn't either, but man, there's so much I don't know. It's not and nothing surprises me anymore when people tell me something that's going on right under my nose and I'm unaware of it. So um, she had said there was a goose on a pond, a stadium and victory area, and I gave her the information for the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center. Uh, just wonderful folks that do great work. And it was nice of Wendy to be concerned about this goose. She thought it was a Canada goose, and you never know. You know, they're, they're wearing down, so, man, they can take the cold. As long as they can get something to eat, and once in a while, we'll see a domestic goose or a goose that is uh, hybridized with a Canada goose that's hanging around. So uh, I hope the the goose does well. And the Wildlife Rehab Center, located again in Roseville, they are um, happy to have volunteers come out and try to help critters like that. Uh, Dean Musing said he, in, driving in Richfield along Highway 212, and he saw a snowy owl, and others have reported it there, he said. So that is really cool. Dean, send it down here. I I know a lot of folks would love to get a photo of a snowy owl. That is just it's a beautiful bird. Craig Raymond of Glenville, he said, I've been putting out peanuts for the Blue Jays, and the other birds have sort of disappeared from the feeders. Do the Blue Jays scare the other birds away? And one easy way to recommend it, if you have windows that you can see the birds out, because we want to see the feeders, you could put the peanuts around the corner of the house or something by a different window. Do they scare birds away? You know, everybody says the Blue Jays are so mean and everything, and I know they can be, but I don't see them really harassing other birds very much, and I think it's because they don't need to. So the jays fly into the feeders. They're enthused about having peanuts, so they're a noisy lot. They're just, uh, they're making all kinds of noise. They come in great numbers, and they're just blustery, so I think that probably would scare other birds away that are close to that feeder. But I, I don't see as as much interaction with other birds as you would think. Uh, Brian Smith uh, saw a Cooper's hawk in Brown County. So a lot of great birds still out there to see. Uh, a lot of the roadside birds uh, look for snow buntings, Lapland longspurs, and, and horn larks flying up from the roads. Uh, juncos are dark-eyed juncos who are a native sparrow. Look for a American tree sparrows to be mixed in with them. 
A listener said, how can I tell rabbit tracks from squirrel tracks in the snow? Somebody sent me a thing, and I, I, of course I don't remember who sent it to me, but thank you. It was from the Hickory Knowles Discovery Center. I believe that's located in Illinois. And it said, when a squirrel hops and lands, its larger back feet land parallel and in front of the smaller front feet. So you can see that today. I was outside. You can see those big feet in front of the smaller front feet. So the resulting shape, this thing from Hickory Knowles Discovery Center said, is squarish. And rabbits land with one foot in front of the other. So it creates kind of a line of those two paw prints behind the two larger hind footprints. And it resembles the letter Y. So you have the squirrels with kind of a square shape, the rabbits with a letter Y. So this Hickory Knowles said squirrels leave square tracks. So SQ equals SQ, squirrels and square. And the Ys are the tracks of a bunny with a capital Y on the end. <laughs> well, you know, and i got to tell you about, uh, I think we had a squirrel in the yard. And do you know how when you walk on the snow t- sometimes and it doesn't break, so it's really nice, and you walk and all of a sudden it'll like you'll crash through for whatever reason you're too heavy? Well, we had in the middle of our backyard, there was this this hole and nothing, no tracks to it, no tracks away from it. And it was like, what in the world was that? Well, it was a squirrel who apparently found the soft spot and fell in a, you know, through like we do and made a big hole and then got up and gone away. Oh. I thought that was kind of funny, actually, because, you know, they normally are think they're so stealthy. And red squirrels love to burrow into the snow. So oh, they the do? smaller squirrels, oh. man, I see them out here, and you don't, when, when we get a lot of snow, you don't see them, and all of a sudden this little head pops out of a oh. hole under the feeders and grabs some stuff and goes back in that hole. So it's kind of a... It's not only a transportation, but it's safety, too. They can be oh. down in there. And I'd add one thing that rabbit tracks can have a shape of a triangle sometimes. So if you're looking at it, trying to find a Y, it can be. And if you're watching them, you follow the tracks, you can see that the rabbits will stop to nibble on vegetation, where squirrels will stop and dig a hole in yeah. the snow because they're looking for something that was buried there. And a rabbit has furred toes, so if the the toes are sometimes blurred or hard to see them in a track. And a squirrel has these long, skinny toes that are likely to appear in the tracks. And the last thing, if the tracks lead to a tree and then stop... It, it's a squirrel. Rabbits uh-huh. aren't that much for climbing trees, so that's what. That's probably the easiest way to determine if it's a squirrel. If it just ends at a tree, you definitely got a squirrel there. A listener said, uh, "My grandfather was born in Kentucky, and he talked about a wasper. Is that a wasp or what is it? Yeah, it's a southern name for a wasp, and it's particularly in I think like Kentucky." in that area where you'll hear that the most. And they say waspers Hmm. is a slang for the plural of wasp. And I'd be all for waspers (laughs) because it's easier to say than wasps. We never know when to end wasps. We just want to keep adding S's. (laughs) So I think waspers is a great name for the plural of wasps. 
So uh, maybe we can get that uh, going here in the state of Minnesota. I don't know how much power anybody in, has to change. We'd have to get uh, one of the Webster's or Merriam-Webster to change it to Wasper's. I saw a catbird feeding on the white berries of poison ivy this fall. What else eats those things? Is it, are they okay? Yeah, they're uh, they're okay eating them. There's a long list of chow hounds who refuse to let the leaves of three be. American robins eat them, deer, raccoons, cardinals. I've watched eastern bluebirds, uh, woodpeckers, crows, wild turkeys, of course, in areas that have bobwhite quail. Squirrels will eat them because squirrels will eat pretty much everything. Uh, chickadees, tufted tit mice, oh, black bears like poison ivy berries. Uh, yellow-rumped warblers, cedar waxwings, and I'm probably missing a whole lot of critters that'll eat those. But a lot of things will eat poison ivy berries, but don't you? Nobody, <laughs> nobody make a make a pie out of it. A poison ivy. Isn't berry it generally pie. a good idea not to try berries and things you're not sure what they are anyway? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I, you know, I eat some high bush cranberries always, and I. You know, they're really not good, but I still eat them. But and I eat gooseberries before they're ripe, and they're not good. And I'll chew on a little hawthorn berry, and I love raspberries. Service berries are excellent. So we do have a lot of berries out there that uh, are edible, but it's probably a good idea. And if they don't do you any serious harm, some of them could give you, you know, a bit of a bellyache or something. So you're probably better off just not trying them unless you're pretty familiar with them or but don't you, you know what they are don't you wonder who the first person was who figured out that they were poisonous or or, or toxic or or whatever you want to call it and like they they die and they're like oh we better send this in uh uncle bob died uh eating this berry better not eat it food tasters i'm okay. <laughs> back thinking each uh group of families had you know one of the guys maybe it was grandpa kind of towards the end there and they say well from now on you're going to eat things first and we're going to see how you do and then i <clears throat> i've always thought this about the first person they eat an oyster and i thought boy he had to be pretty hungry to say you know we should eat that thing there and the rest of them are going i don't believe i would do that <laughs> uh, hey thanks everybody for sitting on the front porch with us you know if if I'd had some ham, I'd have made myself a ham and cheese sandwich if I'd had some cheese. I'd been unable to find watermelon pickles. I thought they played pickleball with beet pickles, but the sport has become so popular, I figured they, they'd they used up all the watermelon pickles in pickleball. So I needed alternatives and ended up in a convenience store where I became part of the wrong end of a long line. I was far back in the store near the roller dogs. You all know roller dogs. There's a hot dogs and bratwurst in a greasy log rolling competition on heating elements. I mustered up enough willpower to pass on those delicacies. My wife and I attended a Christmas party at the home of friends. It was potluck, which is another word for yummy. One couple made fruitcake cookies. I enjoy fruit cake, and the cookies were delicious. Fruit and cake, what could possibly be wrong with that? One caveat, you shouldn't eat fruit cake in any month that begins with an R. 
Remember, folks, Heartland is while we're driving past. Uh, thanks for listening. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Uh, Karen, I enjoyed your company, as always, and I'm glad you uh, finally turned 29. <laughs> thanks, Al. <laughs> Appreciate you, too. We'll chat with you next week, okay? Thanks. Bye-bye. Yep, bye-bye.